Section 4 of Global Trends 2030, Alternative Worlds, by National Intelligence Council. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. Chapter 1, Part 3. Megatrend 4, Growing Food, Water, and Energy Nexus. The increasing nexus among food, water, and energy, in combination with climate change, will have far-reaching effects on global development over the next 15 to 20 years. In a tectonic shift, demand for these resources will grow substantially owing to an increase in the global population from 7.1 billion today to 8.3 billion by 2030. As we have discussed, an expanding middle class and swelling urban populations will increase pressures on critical resources, particularly food and water. But new technologies, such as vertical farming in high-rise structures, which also reduce transportation costs, could help expand needed resources. Food and water security is being aggravated by changing weather conditions outside of expected norms. Quote, Expanding middle class and swelling urban populations will increase pressures on critical resources, particularly food and water, but shortages are not inevitable. End quote. We are not necessarily headed into a world of scarcities, but policymakers and their private sector partners will need to be proactive to avoid scarcities in the future. Many countries probably won't have the wherewithal to avoid food and water shortages without massive help from the outside. The questions will be whether management of critical resources becomes more effective, the extent to which technologies mitigate resource challenges, and whether better governance mechanisms are employed to avoid the worst possible outcomes. Currently, no effective international frameworks exist for dealing with export controls, which often exacerbate food shortages. Increased promotion of food imports can help water-scarce countries to reduce pressure on their water sources. These uncertainties of largely human agency will be explored in the next chapters, discussing game-changers and alternative worlds. This chapter focuses on the pressures on these resources. Tackling problems pertaining to one commodity won't be possible without affecting supply and demand for the others. Agriculture is highly dependent on accessibility of adequate sources of water, as well as on energy-rich fertilizers. Hydropower is a significant source of energy for some regions, while new sources of energy, such as biofuels, threaten to exacerbate the potential for food shortages. There is as much scope for negative trade-offs as there is the potential for positive synergies. The marketplace is also changing. State-backed Asian resource investment strategies are changing the business environment for competitors in extractive industries and other infrastructure investments in developing countries. Foreign direct investments by state-owned enterprises 
largely based in emerging markets, have focused increasingly on mining, quarrying, and petroleum. Overall, commodities are now responsible for about two-thirds of foreign direct investment by state-owned enterprises. Asian countries already prioritize long-term bilateral resource supply deals for oil, gas, and coal, sealed with political and economic assistance packages. Food, water, and climate. An extrapolation of current trends in per capita consumption patterns of food and water shows the projected extent of the problem during the next couple decades. Demand for food is set to rise by more than 35% by 2030, but global productivity gains have fallen from 2.0% between 1970 and 2000 to 1.1% today and are still declining. The world has consumed more food than it has produced in seven of the last eight years. A major international study finds that annual global water requirements will reach 6,900 billion cubic meters, BCM, in 2030, 40% above current sustainable water supplies. Agriculture, which accounts for approximately 3,100 BCM, or just under 70% of global water withdrawals today, will require 4,500 BCM without efficiency gains. About 40% of humanity lives in or near an international river basin. Over 200 of these basins are shared by more than two countries, increasing the dependencies and vulnerabilities from changes in demand and availability of water. Based on current trajectories, the OECD estimates that by 2030, nearly half the world's population will live in areas with severe water stress. Climate Change 2030, More Extreme Weather Empirical evidence alone, without reference to climate models, indicates that a general warming trend is affecting weather and ecosystems, causing increasing impacts on humans. Recent weather has been characterized by an increase in the frequency of extreme weather events, floods, droughts, tornadoes, glacial lake outbreaks, extreme coastal high water levels, heat waves, etc. And this pattern almost certainly will continue during the next 20 years. According to the March 2012 Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC, Special Report on Managing the Risks of Extreme Events, climate change is reinforcing extreme weather, making it more intense. Although the number of cyclones probably will not increase by 2030, the destructive power of tropical storms will intensify. Meanwhile, Owing to population growth and the expansion of urban centers and rural agriculture, more people and infrastructures will be vulnerable to such extreme weather events. 
The key unknown is whether improved disaster risk management measures will be adopted to effectively cope with these changing conditions by 2030. Food security has been aggravated partly because during the past two decades, the world's land masses have been experiencing weather conditions outside of expected norms. Observed temperature increases, though enhanced in the Arctic, are not solely a high-latitude phenomenon. Recent scientific work shows that temperature anomalies during growing seasons and persistent droughts have lessened agricultural productivity. Degraded agricultural productivity, when coupled with more protectionist national policies tightening global supply, undercuts food security, especially in impoverished regions. Flows in the Nile, Tigris-Euphrates, Niger, Amazon, and Mekong River basins have been diminished by droughts that have persisted during the past decade. Although weather patterns in these regions are dominated by natural variability, these persistent droughts are consistent with the expected effects of warming from increased greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere. Dramatic and unforeseen changes are occurring at a faster rate than expected in regions with snow and ice. Observations show that Arctic summer sea ice is diminishing in area and volume faster than any models predicted and could vanish earlier than the original predictions of 2030 to 2050. Changes are also occurring in the major ice shelves, Greenland and Antarctica, that were unforeseen even five years ago. Future rates of change are currently unpredictable without better observations to improve the development of ice prediction models. Sea level rise could increase with the rapid melt of either the Greenland ice sheet or the West Antarctica ice shelf. With this melting, scientists now estimate that sea level rise will be one meter or more by the end of the century, and the rate will increase, making effective adaptation more difficult to achieve. Even modest sea level rises, when coupled with potential storm surges from more intense storms and subsidence of delta lands, will have a significant adverse impact on coastal regions and Pacific small island states. The present emissions pathway is leading to a doubling of greenhouse gases by mid-century. Based on a better understanding of climate sensitivity and emissions, this concentration will lead to approximately 2 degrees centigrade warming by mid-century. Under the present emissions pathway, 6 degrees centigrade is more likely than 3 degrees centigrade by the end of the century and will lead to even more significant impacts. By 2030, the emissions trajectory will be cast, determining this century's climate outcome. Economic growth in developing countries has led to greater demands for a meat-based diet. The demand for meat places extra pressures on the grain market because livestock feed on grain, 
and on water resources. The amount of water required to produce meat is far more than that required to produce an equivalent amount of grain or vegetables. In addition to population increases, rapid urbanization will increase pressure on land and water resources that are essential for food production. Biofuels also drive demand for agricultural commodities. 30 to 40% of the U.S. corn crop is diverted to fuels in a given year. The most important short-term driver of crop supplies is weather. Of course, favorable weather can boost harvest outputs, but poor weather or large-scale weather-related disruptions can deal a serious setback. Poor harvests caused by bad weather, droughts, or crop infestations in major producing regions have already contributed to high food prices. Climate change impacts on food and water availability will vary widely by region and probably will be more limited in the period out to 2030 than in the decades after that. In the medium term, atmospheric carbon rise is expected to boost carbon fertilization and thereby crop yields. However, the impact of climate change on extreme weather events probably will offset the positive effect on farming. Moreover, climate change analysis suggests that average precipitation patterns will change such that wet areas will become wetter while dry, arid areas will become more so. Much of the decline in precipitation will occur in the Middle East and Northern Africa, as well as Western Central Asia, Southern Europe, Southern Africa, and the U.S. Southwest. In places such as Algeria and Saudi Arabia, precipitation by 2050 is forecast to decline by 4.9% and 10.5% respectively, while in Iran and Iraq, precipitation is forecast to decline by 15.6% and 13.3% respectively. Average temperature change will be significant in many regions. In the Andes, glacial meltwater supports river flow and water supply for tens of millions of people during the long dry season. Many small glaciers, for example, in Bolivia, Ecuador, and Peru, will disappear within the next few decades, adversely affecting people and ecosystems. Hundreds of millions of people in China, India, and Pakistan depend upon glacier meltwater from the Hindu Kush and Himalaya mountain regions food supply will be strongly influenced by the availability of land and water, as well as the use of emerging technologies. Given that agriculture uses 70% of global freshwater resources and livestock farming uses a disproportionate share of this, water management will become critical to long-term food security. However, water management practices, including regulating the price of water, which could incentivize investment and better management, would come with high political costs. The world is already farming its most productive land. Given the limited availability of new agricultural land, improving crop efficiency will become especially important to meeting global food needs.
high-growth economies in South and East Asia are expected to account for two-thirds of the increase in fertilizer use during the next five years. In poorer countries, underutilization of fertilizer due to low crop prices has eroded soil quality and imperiled the sustainability of crop production. Our modeling suggests that the long-term trend of decreasing world food prices, which has already reversed itself, may have come to an end with repercussions for consumers, especially poor ones. As long as the global economy continues to grow, which is also suggested by the modeling, increasing food costs will not necessarily lead to greater child malnutrition. Tighter markets will result in higher prices and increased price volatility, but not necessarily in a fundamental shortage of food. Continued reliance on maize as a biofuel feedstock will also increase the potential for volatility. A stable supply of agricultural commodities to meet global food security needs and ensure trade flows can be achieved through supply-side management practices to boost crop production, including new technologies, to mitigate the potentially negative impacts of climate change. However, a number of supply and demand factors could derail that outcome. These include extreme weather-related disruptions from unmitigated climate change, prolonged periods of poor management of water and soil, and inadequate use of modern agricultural technologies and fertilizer. If one or more of these factors came into play, a second higher risk outcome would emerge in which food production failed to keep pace with demand growth. Such a development would create shortages that could have dire geopolitical, social, and economic repercussions. Increasing agricultural productivity in Africa would present a significant opportunity to boost and diversify global production and address regional poverty and food security. However, agricultural productivity in Africa will require major changes even to avoid shortages. Unlike Asia and South America, which have achieved significant improvements in production per capita, Africa only recently returned to 1970s levels. Many African states have poor enabling environments for agricultural development, including lack of sufficient rural infrastructure and transportation to get seeds and fertilizer from the ports inland, and weak governance. Even a fairly marginal improvement in food supply chain management could translate into a significant reduction in waste, negating a significant amount of the pressures from growing populations and increased wealth. Without rapid investment in adaptation, climate change is also expected to result in sharp declines in yields. Increasing crop productivity on irrigated land could decrease the need to irrigate other land. This takes a disproportionately high amount of pressure off of water resources. 
The risk of failing to achieve increased crop productivity, therefore, could have a negative impact not only on food security, but also on water security. Cereal production in China and India faces significant challenges from environmental stresses relating to water scarcity, soil depletion, climate change, and pressures on land availability from urbanization. Both countries are major producers of wheat, and China is the second largest producer and consumer of corn after the U.S. China, particularly, is investing heavily in agricultural technology and productivity. China and India are unlikely to abandon their efforts to achieve grain self-sufficiency through 2020. However, by 2030, demographic pressures and increasing environmental constraints may force both countries to increase imports, potentially triggering a significant price run-up on international markets. The primary consequence of rising prices for agricultural commodities is the commensurate hike in staple food prices for average households. Although rich countries will also feel the pinch, the share of food spending in low-income households in poorer countries is far greater, and these families will be affected to a greater extent. As a result, food price inflation probably will fuel social discontent over other economic issues, such as low wages and poor governance. Wheat is likely to exhibit particularly high price volatility. Significant production occurs in water-stressed and climate-vulnerable regions in China, India, Pakistan, and Australia, suggesting markets will remain tight and vulnerable to harvest shocks, including disease. In general, the groups most vulnerable to the impacts of food price inflation will be import-dependent poor countries such as Bangladesh, Egypt, Djibouti, and Sudan. For this set of countries, the primary line of defense to stem food price inflation will be to maintain or, if necessary, expand existing subsidies on basic foodstuffs. This strategy will have its limits, however, as governments face budgetary constraints or cut funding for other programs in order to keep food prices down. Moreover, poor import-dependent countries are not in a position to undertake overseas investments to secure greater crop outputs elsewhere. Good and bad wildcards. Technology is perhaps the most important wildcard to ensuring global food security. Crop yield improvements due to better agricultural practices and technological improvements have accounted for nearly 78% of the increase in crop production between 1961 and 1999. A nasty wildcard, however, such as the spread of wheat rust, could also have a long-lasting effect on food supplies. Wheat rust was largely eliminated by the genetic stock of the Green Revolution, but it reappeared in Uganda in 1998, spread to Kenya and Ethiopia, jumped to Iran in 2007, was confirmed in South Africa in 2010, and is likely to appear soon in Pakistan and the Punjab. In Kenya, it destroyed one-fourth of the crop. 
the lesser biological diversity of wheat now than before the Green Revolution could make wheat rust a greater threat now than then. Efforts to combat it, even if they are successful, are likely to involve increasing genetic diversity again with at least yield reductions. Large emerging markets such as China, India, and Russia, all of which are likely to see continuing spikes in food price inflation, are less likely to see serious disruptive upticks in social unrest. Large grain-producing countries such as Russia and China will be better able to shield themselves domestically from rising food prices by imposing restrictions on the export of crops, although such policies will exacerbate food price inflation and food scarcity globally. In addition to export curbs, these countries have more robust balance sheets to provide and maintain subsidies and domestic price controls and to use monetary policy tools to control inflation with more efficacy than smaller, less developed states. China, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, and others have been buying up overseas farming land. This trend will probably continue as food prices rise and the potential for scarcities increases. A Brighter Energy Outlook Experts are virtually certain that demand for energy will rise dramatically, about 50%, over the next 15 to 20 years, largely in response to rapid economic growth in the developing world. The U.S. Energy Information Agency anticipates steadily rising global production through 2035, driven primarily by a combination of OPEC production increases and larger unconventional sources. The main or reference scenario of the International Energy Agency also posits growing global production of key fossil fuels through 2030, about 1% annually for oil. Much of this increased production and recent optimism derives from unconventional oil and gas being developed in North America. The scale-up of two technologies, horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing, is driving this new energy boom. Producers have long known shale as source rock, rock from which natural gas slowly migrated into traditional reservoirs over millions of years. Lacking the means economically to unlock the massive amounts of hydrocarbon in the source rock, producers devoted their attention to the conventional reservoirs. Once the industry discovered how to combine hydraulic fracturing and horizontal drilling, the vast gas resources trapped in shale deposits became accessible. The economic and even political implications of this technological revolution, which won't be completely understood for some time, are already significant. In a tectonic shift, energy independence is not unrealistic for the U.S. in as short a period as 10 to 20 years. Increased oil production and the shale gas revolution could yield such independence. U.S. production of shale gas has exploded with a nearly 50% annual increase between 2007 and 2011, 
and natural gas prices in the U.S. have collapsed. U.S. has sufficient natural gas to meet domestic needs for decades to come and potentially substantial global exports. Service companies are developing new superfracking technologies that could dramatically increase recovery rates still further. Shale oil production in the U.S. is still in its early stages and its full potential remains uncertain, but development is happening at a faster pace than shale gas. Preliminary estimates for 2020 range from 5 to 15 million barrels per day, with a production break-even price as low as $44 to $68 per barrel, depending upon the fields. By 2020, the U.S. could emerge as a major energy exporter. The greatest obstacle to the proliferation of new techniques to tap unconventional oil and gas reserves in both North America and elsewhere is their environmental impact. Poor well construction and cementing, wastewater management, and other above-ground risks will continue to cause accidents, greater seismic activity around shale-producing areas, has turned the public's attention in the U.S. to possible seismic risks. Seismic activity can affect well integrity and construction, increasing the chances of methane entering drinking water supplies. Many environmental concerns could be mitigated by existing wastewater management techniques and technologies. A tighter regulatory environment, which is beginning to happen in some U.S. states, could also close loopholes and reassure public safety. Nevertheless, a major drilling-related accident could cause a public backlash, halting the fracking activity in key production areas. The prospect of significantly lower energy prices will have significant positive ripple effects for the U.S. economy, encouraging companies to take advantage of lower energy prices to locate or relocate to the U.S. Preliminary analysis of the impact on the U.S. economy suggests that these developments could deliver a 1.7 to 2.2% increase in GDP and 2.4 to 3.0 million additional jobs by 2030. Additional crude oil production would result in a significant reduction in U.S. net trade balance. The U.S. would import less or no crude oil from its current suppliers, Canada, Mexico, Saudi Arabia, Latin America, and West Africa, forcing them to find alternative markets. A dramatic expansion of U.S. production could also push global spare capacity to exceed 8 million barrels per day, at which point OPEC could lose price control and crude oil prices would drop, possibly sharply. Such a drop would take a heavy toll on many energy producers who are increasingly dependent on relatively high energy prices to balance their budgets. Other regions and countries have significant shale reserves. 
According to its Ministry of Land and Resources preliminary study, China has the world's largest reserves of non-conventional gas, double the estimated U.S. reserves. China's relative lack of equipment, experience, and potentially the necessary extraction resources, mainly water, may inhibit or slow down development there. European leaders are uncertain about the geology, political and public acceptability, environmental impact, and financial viability of shale gas in Europe. For example, national authorization processes vary considerably by EU member state and are generally stricter than for North America. The Polish government sees shale gas as an important resource for diversification away from dependence on Russian gas and has been granting exploration licenses, while the French government has banned hydraulic fracturing. Alternatives The Weak Player in the Natural Gas Explosion The potential for more abundant and cheaper supplies of natural gas to replace coal by 2030 would have undeniable benefits for curbing carbon emissions. Nevertheless, another consequence of an increased reliance on relatively cleaner natural gas as a source of energy could be the lack of a major push on alternative fuels such as hydropower, wind, and solar energy. Under most scenarios, Alternative fuels continue to provide a relatively small increase in the share of overall energy requirements. The IEA's baseline scenario shows the share of renewables rising just 4% during the 2007 to 2050 period. Hydropower accounts for the overwhelming majority of renewables in this scenario with wind and solar energy providing 5 and 2% contributions in 2050, respectively. Their contributions in 2030 would be even less. IEA blue scenarios built around ambitious goals for carbon emission reductions show possible paths to solar power and wind power becoming much more appreciable shares by 2050, anywhere from 12 to 25 percent in the case of solar and 12 to 22 percent for wind, depending on the desired drop in CO2 emissions under the various blue scenarios. Numbers for 2030 would be a lot smaller, achieving 12 to 25 percent shares under the blue scenarios would also require according to IEA calculations, substantial investment in alternatives compared to the baseline scenario. Hydraulic fracturing. Hydraulic fracturing or fracking, a new technology to extract gas and oil from rock formations, is already making sizable differences in the ability of oil and gas companies to extract natural gas and oil from resources previously thought to be inaccessible. The technology will enable the release of natural gas and oil in sufficient quantities to drive down the cost of those energy resources 
and make substantial differences to the oil and gas import requirements of countries using fracking, as well as their dependence on coal. During the last five years, the combined technologies of fracking and horizontal drilling have been an energy game changer in the United States and other countries with large reserves of shale gas and oil. Fracking technology was first developed and commercialized in the late 1940s. Since then, over 2 million fracking stimulations of gas and oil have been completed. In fracking, well operators pump a fluid, usually water, mixed with propping agent, usually sand, and a dozen or so chemical additives to control physical characteristics such as viscosity, pH, surface tension, and scale prevention at high pressure into a well bore. The pressure creates fractures that propagate through the rock formation. The propping holds the fractures open to allow the gas to flow through the open pores formation once the well has been completed. The technology has evolved from its early days of using 750 gallons of fluid and 400 pounds of sand in a well to today's levels. Fracking now uses over a million gallons of fluid and 5 million pounds of sand. The latest fracturing operations use computer simulations, modeling, and microseismic fracture mapping as well as tilt sensors which monitor rock deformations. For fracking to be most efficient, the technology is coupled with horizontal drilling, a technique that became standard practice in the 1980s in oil and gas wells. The coupling of fracking and horizontal drilling has provided oil and gas companies with access to numerous resources that were previously considered to be unusable. As a result, unconventional natural gas and oil have steadily become a larger portion of the gas and oil production in the United States. In the last five years, the increased supply and lower prices for natural gas have reduced the use of coal in the United States for power generation, thereby reducing carbon dioxide emissions. The major hurdle that fracking faces in reaching its full potential to develop non-conventional gas and oil resources is the public concern that it will negatively impact the environment through water contamination, seismic inducement, and methane emissions. The fear of contamination of surface water and groundwater during site preparation, drilling, well completion, and operation and the risk to water resources for all users in the watershed are the primary environmental concerns of regulatory agencies. Current research is focused on finding better ways to handle and treat the large quantities of water required and reducing significantly the amount of water used in fracking by using wastewater or mine water liquids other than water, or compressed gases, including potentially carbon dioxide. Existing wastewater management techniques can mitigate water contamination by recycling the produced water or disposing it into deep wells. 
Deep well disposal of produced water is the most common disposal technique, but at times it has been linked to seismic events in the area of a well site. Fugitive emissions of methane, a potent greenhouse gas, are another environmental concern. Although the combustion of natural gas produces less carbon dioxide than that of coal or fuel oil, that advantage could be obviated by fugitive emissions of methane during drilling, completion, and operation of an unconventional gas well. If these emissions are kept small, approximately 1% of production, a net advantage of natural gas remains. But if they are large, 7 to 8% of production, natural gas loses its greenhouse gas advantage over coal. End of section 4. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island.